Welcome to the Leadership Trip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome to the table another incredible guest. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of Leadership Trip. Rob. Hey, Jeff. It has been... The kids would say a minute, but it's been months. It's it's yeah, it's been longer than a minute, bro. It's been been many minutes um, since we've been on the mic. Feels good though. Feels, it does feels, feel good. Feels home from the great studio of your office. It does feel good. I I like it. I I have missed this. Yeah, and I, it's been. I think the last episode we cut, we did something similar. You and I kind of shared some stories, but only maybe two or three times have you and I just sat down and had a conversation with right. people. Yeah. Most of the times we're we're asking questions of really great leaders. Not that we're not great leaders, but we've had some great leaders on the show. Um, and what kind of prompted our conversation today is uh, we wanted to reflect a little bit. Yeah. And and we've not had a chance to talk about what happened here at Lee University in the spring with Stone Chapel. Yeah. And we've got kind of an announcement. You've already made it publicly, but we're going to yeah. talk through it here for the people who listen to the podcast. So um, did you watch Friends? Yeah. Okay. Duh. Okay. I so, was Joey you were for Lee Day, you, bro. You were Joey. How you doing? Yeah. yeah yes. True. Of course, I watch Friends. Yeah. 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 So the the way they would title episodes on Friends is always the one that whatever the one which whatever. So let's just start with with how you would just title your Friends title for the Stone Chapel. Hmm. The one that changed everything. The one that changed everything. I like that. You like that? I do. I do like that. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Lee University Stone Chapel is this beautiful building on campus that we use for a variety of special events. It seats, what, maybe 100 people? No, actually about three, 350, I think. No way. 350. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still feels very intimate. Oh, it's very intimate. Beautiful, yeah. traditional-looking building on campus. Um, and it's just called the Stone Chapel. The Stone Chapel. This is on the corner of campus. Um, spring semester, um, just before spring break, slightly before spring break, a couple of students who had been to the Asbury Revival yeah. came back um, from experiencing that, were in class, and desired something similar. Um, that professor who, I can't even remember who it was. Kevin Nordby. Kevin Nordby. Kevin's yep. a good dude, man. Great dude. Um, said, well, if that's what you desire, why don't we go pray? Yeah. Dismisses class, and they go to start praying. Yeah. And that lasted for a week. Um, that's the short version. So from your inside as campus pastor here, give us a little bit of the broader perspective, what you feel like took place, um, what maybe didn't show up on social media. Um, and let's just, let's talk about what God did, God did here at Lee through that. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously the Asbury revival was the nationally televised one, right? Right. Um, but as conversations, and exposure began to kind of expand a little bit. What we realized that there were several other universities who were experiencing similar moves. Uh, Lee University was one of those universities. Uh, in terms of size or scale, I'm not really sure where we fit into things. I do know, um, you know, it was a very um, intense moment spiritually. So, so that first day when. Um, when things sort of started to to pop, so to speak, let's just say that, 
Uh, you're right. It was a class of nine students. Uh, Kevin Norby, the professor of that class, did say, hey, well, let's just go pray and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally within a couple hours, I was I, I can't remember who I was meeting, but I was meeting someone for lunch in the, in the cafeteria here on campus, right? At the uh, Deacon Jones dining hall here on campus. And so shout out Deacon Jones, shout out Deacon Jones. Um, So I was, I was meeting someone for lunch and I was on my way over there. And I remember a student running up to me. He's like, Hey, have you been to the stone chapel yet? Like people are praying. Like, it's really awesome. I'm like, no, I haven't. And I was like, uh, he's like, well, you should come by. And he's like, I was like, okay, yeah, no worries. You know, as the campus pastor, you get invited to do a lot of things, right? Let's be clear. Pockets of prayer on a Christian university is not uncommon. Not uncommon. And and in fact, it should be normal, right? Right. It it should be normal. So I didn't really put a ton of thought into it. Like, and then, so I went through the meeting and then I think I got a call from my boss or something like that. He's like, hey, you should probably come over to Stone Chapel. I'm like, okay, this might be a little bit more serious than what I thought. So I walk over to Stone Chapel, and sure enough, again, it wasn't a ton of people. At that point, it was probably 30 to 40 people, and but the whole atmosphere was different. Mm-hmm. The, everything was different. Yeah. The, the intentionality, the intensity, the, the, the focus, the, just the heart, the passion, the purity, the, you know, just the weightiness of God's presence in that moment. This is, this is when it was only like 30, 40 people and only students, right? It was just students and some faculty and some staff over there. And I just remember setting up in the loft um, of the Stone Chapel, just kind of observing there, for, observing there for a little bit. And I was just like, where, you know, where's this going? Like, you know, yeah. what do we do with this? Like, how do we steward this well? What is... Mm-hmm. What is happening in this moment? And so immediately we went into, as as good administrators do, logistics planning and you know all the things that are necessary, right? Okay, if this happens for this long, this is what's got to change, right? So, so of course there's that piece of it, but but honestly, when I say it's the one that changed everything, I think you know not only for me personally, but I think for the culture of our campus, I think for the culture of the university. I think it, it, it shifted something. It tilted something in a good direction. And so, so that began on that, uh, gosh, I think it was February the 12th or 11th or somewhere around there. It doesn't matter. It was shortly right after the Asbury thing kind of broke out. Um, and then that lasted for, I think it was a hundred and 60, 70 hours consecutive of just, on just unbelievably intense prayer yeah. passion. Yeah. I, I remember I was um somewhere that Monday night. It was Monday night. Um I was with some friends and we got a couple texts. <clears throat> one of our, our church is young adults, students, lead students. And a couple of them text Rachel or I and they're like, Hey, revival's breaking out and I was like, Oh, that's cute. You know, <laughs> the zeal of young adults I love. Love, yeah. Love the zeal. They don't always frame things correctly. Um, and then some leaders I know who kind of come to our church, they're missionaries and, and friends of ours, Brian and Ashley Lindsay, they text us and like, y- this is real. And I, I take a lot of stock on what they say. Yeah. And I was like, well, I should probably come by. And so we didn't get to stop by Monday. Um, but Tuesday, um, I came by and, um, Tuesday morning. So we're now almost 24 hours into this thing. And I agree with you. The atmosphere was different. Um, I'm naturally suspicious, in, a, in I think a good way, of things called revival. 
because I grew up grew up in the church in the nineties, right? Yeah. And there was all these weird kind of crazy people searching for gold, all this kind of like stuff that's happening in the nineties, man. It was weird. Um, so I have a natural suspicion to weigh things out before the Lord. And I remember walking in the room like, and with, with zero sort of anticipation of what it was or wasn't. And I just remember the weight of God's glory in the room and I couldn't help but cry. Yeah. I mean, and you got to think too, I mean, we, we are in, in, and this sounds like a criticism and I don't mean it that way, but we are so, uh, production heavy in the church world, oh, yeah. right? Like we, we do an incredible job of producing incredible services and I'm all for that as a pastor. I'm for that as a leader. I'm all for that. Like, let's make the experience, you know, let's give it our all. Let's do everything we can. I think, you know, part of what separated this moment, uh, you know, from everything else was there was no production. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was no, there was no music. There was, I think we had some people singing at that point. I don't even know that we had a keyboard at that point on the first two days. I don't even think we had yeah, a keyboard. I don't think so. And it was just, it was just literally students, uh, mostly students and faculty and staff on the first day or two, it was primarily those groups. And then as, you know, conversations began to trickle through the community. We would have community leaders show up, uh, you know, everyone from uh, city council members, mayor, like, I mean, just mm-hmm. all kinds of people just began to show up. And then people from around the country began right. to show up. And, you know, but but those first couple of days, man, it was just it was just unreal. I mean, just what God was doing in the hearts and the lives of students and the repentance. I, there was one kid ironically whom I've known since he was born. I actually have pictures of him in a bathtub, blackmail material, right? <laughs> I mean, but point yeah. is I've known this kid since he was born. Right. Right. And so, but I mean, it doesn't mean I know him very well. Like his, his family lives in a different state. Anyway, point is, um, I'll never forget that first night. Um, when he just absolutely, there, there was, a, there's repentance, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. youth camp repentance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's youth camp repentance that, that leads you to the altar and you repent and you're grateful for that. And you cry the tears and I, man, let's do all of that. But then there's, then there's like soul repentance. There's like guttural, like everything that you have emptied on the altar mm-hmm. of God kind of repentance. And I remember uh, him at that stage, at that level. And it was just so different there was there was just a move of the holy spirit that was just absolutely tangible it he was breathing into that yeah. space in ways that i'd never encountered before i think i think my takeaway we were in the space a couple times we spent a night with with you uh rachel and i got invited in um she's on faculty here to kind of be some of those adults in the room to help pray um and it's all we really were i mean it was student-led um, student focus, like they were the ones sharing from scripture, uh, which there was a lot of that, which I appreciate. Um, and they would, they would find us like we weren't seeking out students to pray with. They would come find us and be like, Hey, will you pray for me or pray for my friend? And it was, we said at the time is what we had been praying for and talking about for three or four years, like this student engaged, student led move of the Lord. And what I loved about it is it was all holy and no hype. Like yeah. there was not much, not much fluff going on. It was repentance. It was, 
deep seeking of the Lord. Deliverance. Like deliverance. Some Healings. of the stories. I mean, some of the deliverance stories. My goodness, yes. I mean, just, um, yeah. I mean, genuine, authentic deliverance. People being set free from bondages. People yeah. being set free. Demons cast out. Uh, yeah, demon. We actually had demon-possessed people in the space who got demons cast out. I mean, yeah. it was... It was, and I, I told a bunch of people of this, it was the closest I've ever been to actually walking in the New Testament, right. if that makes sense. Like, like I was literally living in the pages of the New Testament with Paul and Peter and all these other cats that we love to admire. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it was, it was just, it was unreal. And, it, and it's not, it's not duplicatable, which is why, no. which we love right now in church culture. We want to go find a system. We want to find something that is, um, or whatever, a model, and we want to duplicate it, and we want to go, they did X, Y, Z, and these results came out of it. And I think for Asbury, for Lee, Texas A&M had an experience, a handful of other colleges, universities, it was the Lord going, hey, I've got something for a generation, who we've said for, for a long time, the generation that's the church of now, going to step into space, going to lead us if we let them. It was almost their coming out party. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. I mean, it was there's a there's such a unique anointing and calling on this next generation. Oh, yeah. It's if if you don't recognize it, then you're not looking. Like right. it's it is just different. And for some people, that's scary. For some leaders, that's confusing. For some leaders, we we don't know how to manage it, and we that, that's even with good intent. Like we don't know how to to handle it right mm-hmm. and so so then it really becomes not so much about um managing or crafting and i'm a systems guy you know i like systems right. i'm i'm a whiteboard kind of freak like let's let's draw it all out like i do i love that but there's nothing there's absolutely nothing that can replace or duplicate an authentic move of the holy spirit among his people and that's exactly what he did in that moment i think that's exactly what he's doing in this generation and i think that's part of the tension that we are experiencing in the in the church globally right Right. is how do we how do we step into god what god is doing and the size and the scope of what he's doing across the world Mm -hmm. and how do we step into that moment and 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 put our hands to the plow and be good stewards of it. And right. what does that mean for us? And so I think it's a stewardship question and not maybe not so much a leadership question, if we could say that. I don't know. I think stewardship yeah. and leadership are hand in hand a lot of times. I mean, yeah, of course. I've been yeah, wrestling. Course, and this but, is this is another conversation for another day. But like I've been wrestling this thought that that all of my leadership, self leadership, church leadership, leadership of generation yeah. is stewardship. Right. God gave it to me to manage. Um, so with that in mind, the stewardship idea, and obviously it was going to end, like it wasn't going to last forever. No revival lasts forever. When a week, it was an amazing week. How, how do we as leaders of the next generation, maybe steward what God did at Asbury, at Lee, Texas A&M, some other places. How do we steward that forward? Yeah, I think it comes back to the essence of why we started this whole podcast in the first place. How do we how do we engage with young leaders, young adults, the next generation? How do we get them connected to church and get them serving, get them get them being a part of the life of the body, 
right? And how do we how do we inspire and empower and equip them to actually lead now rather than later? And I think it's a coming alongside conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of humility that has to go into leaders like us who are our age um, and say, you know, um, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but it just a thought that came to my head. Um, it may never be my turn, but I want you to be ready when it is yours. Right. Does that make does that make it sense? It makes complete sense because as Gen Xers, when we got into we got through schooling, we thought, oh yeah, now there's gonna be space for us. And there wasn't always space for us. Right. Not not people were not mean about it. There was just a lot of boomers already in pulpits, already in churches. Yeah. And they wanted us to wait our turn. And then there's still boomers in a lot of churches and a lot of pulpits. And so we had to go create space a lot of times. And I think it's left us in this this real weird tension of going like, I, nobody ever came and handed me something. I had to go carve it out for myself. Yeah. But I don't want to delay somebody who's got a gift from stepping into the space that they're in. So that's a great statement. Like, where I'm at now, like, I want to be somebody's floor and not their ceiling. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I think I think that's what we do with it. I think... I think we take the energy, we take the passion, we take the moment and we ask God, how do we accelerate this? That, mm-hmm. that was my word at the beginning of the year. Yeah. If you remember, I don't know if I can't remember if we talked about that on a show or not, I don't think but, so. but my word for 2023 at the beginning of the year was acceleration and everything has definitely been accelerated. Right. There's no question about that in a, in a lot of ways, uh, some of which we'll talk about in just a minute. But, but I think, I think. I think the challenge for us is how do we accelerate God's grace across the earth? Right. How do we accelerate the move of God across the earth? How do we accelerate those who he is using to do that across the earth? So, you know, it's, it's, it's this moment where are we creating platforms and spaces for ourselves? Are we creating platforms and spaces so that we can boost so that we can, so that we can leverage up those who are coming behind us that right. God's got his hand on. And that's just, you know, that, that sounds like it's kind of a, a, a stinky position to be in, but it's really not. No, it's great. It's not. It's it's a beautiful position to be in. And so I think I think you and I and you know, I'm sure I know that there's a lot of leaders out there who have the same heart, the same passion mm-hmm. and feel that that same purpose and calling um, to do it faster rather than slower right to do it sooner rather than later um and get out of the way hand the baton off faster so right. i think that's just what is, if we truly want to see revival across the earth that's what it's going to take let me ask you a question we've not talked about and it's something i've been wrestling with myself and some some things um we had our district superintendent um for those that listen i'm assemblies of god and so that would be state overseer in some cultures. But the state leader was at our church, and he said something in a message that really stuck with me, and I've been sitting with it. He was talking about how we're better together, and you need someone to go up the mountain with, but you also need someone coming down the mountain. That the day is just as dangerous coming down the mountain as it is the ascension. Um, as students came down the mountain from the stone chapel, the spiritual high, this living at a different level, what did— what it was done well, what could have been done better mm. walking them down the mountain. Yeah, I think um what was done well is 
I think for the moment that they had, they genuinely appreciated the space and the opportunity to really flex it out, like to really figure it out. And so coming down that mountain, there were a lot of unpacking conversations that students who felt called to ministry, people who didn't even attend our school, other students from other universities who came, um, who, who need deep discipleship. And, you know, I'm still, I'm still in a, in a very deep discipleship with one of those individuals who, who was someone who got delivered, who was someone who got, I mean, it's, so, so I think those things were great. I think the parts we probably could have done better was, um, since we're talking about going downhill, I would say the steepness of the grade for which they had to go downhill was sharp. Yeah. It was quick. And I understand it. I'm not even like criticizing it. It's just, it was just a sharp, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, um, kind of decline very quickly because, because spring break was literally like in a day or two. And, you know, and so it was just one of those things where we just said, you know, this is it. Like, right. I mean, we just had to kind of, kind of had to, uh, say that, you know, it's, it's, it's ran its course. Right. Um, and there were a lot of students who were understandably um, upset or confused, you know, because they just cherished the moment so much. But, um, but there were yeah. some great leaders. Like you talk about Kevin Norby here, professor on campus, Dr. Yeah. Chris Blake, who's a professor on campus. Like they fostered some smaller breakout prayer groups yes. and kind of kept that yes. sort of energy going in a in a smaller context and kept teaching students to pray. Yeah. Um, so when when the door closed on the Stone Chapel – it doesn't mean the door closed and what God was doing. No. Because I think that's where the work of discipleship came in. Yes. And, and so I, I think that's a critical question and one that we, maybe there's not a great answer to, but maybe we can at least discuss in theory. Yeah. When when you're coming down the hill of a move of God, how do we dig into discipleship to really, the seed that's been planted, let it take root in good soil? Yeah, so one of the things that we did, we did a couple things. Number one, we didn't actually stop prayer on campus. Right. We just closed the Stone Chapel. Right, right. That was kind of yeah. the common theme. Yeah, like, oh, they closed the Stone Chapel. No, 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 they don't want to pray anymore. No, yeah, that which is not true. We still had all of our student-led prayer teams. Uh, they continued to pray. They continued to hold different events across campus, but they were just student only, right? So right. so that's why, you know, that's why the, the, it felt a little sharp. But number one, we continued to pray all across campus the whole semester. Number two, um, one of the things that we did was we created a special chapel small group. Now, what do I mean by that? So all of our chapel expressions here at Lee, you know, they have different expressions. But one of the things that we did was in conjunction with the with the revival uh, is what I'm calling it with the revival is we created a four week uh, discipleship conversation for any student that wanted to be a part of it after the, after the, the revival had happened. So that was a unique expression. And for those four weeks we met uh, with several different professors and leaders across campus there in small groups. And they just spent those four weeks digging deeper with what they experienced right. uh, through yeah. the revival. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I feel like, and we're, now we can talk as friends a little bit, um, I feel like that was a catalytic kind of season for you Yeah, in some ways. I feel like the Lord answered some prayers that, that you and I had been praying, the conversations you and I had, and to use your word, I feel like it accelerated some things God was doing in your spirit. Um, 
this is a conversation that we're recording that happens between over coffee for you and I at a, at a right. coffee market. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to our favorite, my favorite coffee shop um, that nobody hears about. Right. And so you've made the announcement, if you follow Rob on social, that he this will be our last recording in this office with him as campus pastor. Um, but tell tell our podcast listeners about that transition, what prompted it, um, and what do you feel like the Lord is speaking to you now? Yeah, so this, obviously, so one, this wasn't an accelerated decision, but it wasn't a rush decision or a hurried decision. Um, really, since 2019, when we kind of launched sort of that Exiles experience here on campus, that was the first time that I had really, really saw what God wanted to do, what God could do in the next generation. And that was the moment where I really, really knew kind of what my role was going to be in that process. And that was to do everything that I could to empower, equip, and to help lead and to help foster an environment where young leaders, young adults, the next generation could live out to the fullest degree, whatever it was that God was calling them to do. Like that's, that's what it is, right? So that kind of started in 2019, but that was a reflection that wasn't the decision, right? So, um, yeah, so at this year when it started, you know, Dane and I, my wife, we, we really were already praying about our heart, our passions, our purpose, where those fit best, um, what we wanted to do with them, all of that kind of stuff. And so um, really the, the revival was just a catalytic moment for us where we understood that we had a role to play um, in this next gen, we had a role to play in what God was doing across the earth that may actually exceed or transcend outside of the walls of my role here as mm-hmm. campus pastor. And so, yeah, just through that whole process, um, you know, a couple different experiences, you know, we, we went to Amsterdam with the empower 21 crew with, with tremendous, yeah. tremendous, of ours. um, tremendous opportunity to be in Amsterdam for that. Uh, really to finish the great commit uh, the great commission by 2033 that that com- you know mm-hmm. that's the goal that's the objective to take the gospel across the earth um but even before that we we kind of knew in our hearts that it was time for us to take a bold step of faith and really um that's what we've decided to do so yeah so august 13th we're recording today is what july the 27th 27th so august 13th will be my last day here on campus Um, and we're literally, we are literally taking a bold step of faith as we began to pray about this. And the moment right before I made the decision, the Lord said to me, I don't only need you to lead by example, I need you to believe by example. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to be leaders who are uh, spirit empowered, who are being led by the Holy spirit, um, to see this world transformed for Jesus, then we not only need to lead by example, we need to believe by example, which is what Paul modeled all the time right. in the New Testament, not just in yeah. his wisdom, not just in his understanding and his knowledge, but by his faith, by his, by his dependency on the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so we knew it was time for us to kind of st- step out and take a big step of faith. And at this moment on July 27th, 2023, we don't know exactly what that means yet. <laughs> we honestly do not. <laughs> So, so we're trusting the Lord. We're, yeah. we're trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us and to show us what step we're going to take next. And, and that's where we are. Well, in you and I do a lot, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of coaching, consulting, mentoring of young adults, right? Yeah. And I can't, 
I, I don't know how many I've told to step out in faith. It's it's easy when you're you're 22 and you got nothing to lose, right? Like, yeah, it's it's bro. I ain't 22. <laughs> if you know. That's what I'm saying. Like a 22 to 24, like I'm not like, even double 22, leave, homie. Leave that job, chase after the things of God. You got time to make money, right? On this side of it, on this side of middle age, um. I think it's an interesting faith step, and and it was what Rachel and I did with playing the church. And we had yeah, some exactly. some backdrop with her position here at Lee, but um, it's interesting that God is prompting our generation. I think because I, I, I don't think we're outliers. Again, I think yeah, God's I don't calling think so. some of us yeah to bold steps of faith as exactly that as models for those who are coming behind us. Yeah, you know I've say this all the time to students. I say this all the time in consulting church leadership whatever obedience is our problem results are his problem yeah and i hate it when jesus makes me eat my own words like mm-hmm. but that's exactly what i am my wife would say and she's she's crushed me at this one several times delayed obedience is still disobedience amen so if yeah. you've been sitting on it and god's been telling you to do something yeah. you need to do it now yeah and you know and again it does it's not easy like i'm no. I'm, I'm literally walking away from an excellent position at an incredible university doing something that you know is is enjoyable i mean it's I, I get to hang out with college students all the time right so it's not like this is a miserable existence you, you know what i'm saying right. it's just it's literally god saying do you this is something else that really that really came that really during this process so i tell you when when you get ready to quit a really good job with nothing else behind it your ears get really sensitive to the spirit. They better be. <laughs> you get really yeah, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're like, okay, was that you? Was that you? But um, but I really felt like the Lord was just also saying to me, do you trust me enough mm-hmm. to go all in with me? Yeah. Do you trust me enough? And, you know, listen, I'm almost, I'm almost 50. Well, you're confessing things today. I know. I'm almost 50. I know. People are people are like, why? You're almost 50. Yes. I'm still that immature. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's because I got all the gray hair in this relationship. Is yeah, what I'm still that immature. That's yeah. okay. But yeah, I mean, like, this is, this is a moment where Dane and I kind of talked and we said, you know, we've been in pastoral ministry and ministry in general for 25 years almost, about 25 years. Yeah. You know, and the way I look at it, if I could frame it, we have about 25 years of ministry time left. Mm-hmm. If I if I could just point it that way. And man, I want my last 25 to be my best 25. I want these next 25 years to be the thing that I look back on, that my sons look back on, that my grandchildren look back on, that yeah. possibly even my great-grandchildren look back on and say, Man, Grandpa was wild. Right. He loved Jesus and he followed him, and that's what I'm after, man. I'm chasing, I'm chasing after the legacy and the impact. And and it's because I know your heart and we're friends. Like I know it's not about you. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Like the legacy, and and this is what I've tried to to settle in my own heart, and I think I have, and settle with other people. I try to to teach is like, man. It, and we say something at the we we give a commissioning at the end of every service of our at our church, our church is called the Collectives Church, and we say go be the collectives. And the legacy I want left behind is I want people scattered all over the earth, doing the things of the Lord, like yeah. being what God's called them to be. Yeah. That's that's the legacy. Like I want spiritual children, 
grandchildren, great-grandchildren because of the investment we've made. And I know that's your heart as well, like that it's not simply like our name and light somewhere. It's that like somebody we invested in went and did the thing God told them to do. I mean, what what other what other testimony would you want? I don't about want a life another one. I mean, what 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 other testimony would you want? I mean, at the end of the day, we all know, even if we don't want to admit it right up front, that you know our houses and our cars and all that stuff they're nice. Like, right. I have a really nice '86 square body truck that I love. <laughs> like, all that that's cool. That's nice. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, but, yeah. but man, when you get to the place where you say. Gosh, I really want to mean that song. Just more of you, Lord. Like, right, Jesus, you're enough. You know, whatever. Like, I mean, that's that's where I want to live, and that's right. that's a it's a step of faith. And I don't know yet all of the things that lay ahead, but by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to meet all those challenges. Yeah, and I think you know we we um midstream rebranded our podcast i mean midstream after about 13 episodes yeah yeah if you listen to the first 13 episodes it's something different but titled differently it was actually called the collectives co podcast shout out to the collectives co podcast jeff stole it (laughs) jeff stole it Uh, (laughs) but i think somewhere in the process we started realizing that we were having a lot of coffee and a lot of conversations about leadership and we changed the name of leadership drip but I think more than coffee and conversations, it has been this slow brewing drip of leadership in our lives yeah. and hopefully in the lives of our listeners of this learning to live a leadership legacy. Like, what am I yeah. leaving behind? I can't tell you how many conversations we've had on this podcast of people going, what am I doing for somebody else and leaving behind? Yeah, yeah. Like, that seems to be a theme that we hear over and over. And I, Because I think it's, I think it's a it's a not only a biblical or a theological theme, I think it's a Christocentric theme. Yeah. It's a great commission theme. It's a great uh, commandment theme, right? Love God, love your neighbors yourself. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's the theme in the heart of God is, is for us to be the conduit for someone else to experience the grace and love of Jesus Christ. That's it. Right. Right. Become the conduit, become the bridge, become the, the thing that connects somebody else to Jesus, whatever your terminology or your, your language be that yeah. be the be the pathway for somebody else to experience the love and fulfill the purpose of God in their life like that's that's the whole point yeah. and we're not done yet like this is this is a unique episode but this is not the end of the podcast at least I don't think it is Jeff are you quitting on me was that I, what I don't was, know. <laughs> was I fired I don't remember uh, no. neither one of us take pay yeah. from it so I know fired, <laughs> none, so. yeah, none of us have made a dime off of this show which is fine that wasn't the point that wasn't the point but no, we're not done yet. I think we have a lot of conversations left. Right. A lot of conversations left. And I think we have some exciting projects coming up, too. So well, I'm excited think, about that. I think that. you you titled it correctly. Um, the one that changes everything. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's been, for you and me both, in some things, change. Um, we can be change resistant, which is common. We can also embrace change. Um, and and we sort of set out to, to discover hopefully what something we've learned like the questions we started with with this podcast really a book we wanted to write and maybe we'll write it one day yeah um how do we keep young adults engaged in church and how do we how do we keep them from leaving yeah and we we're still figuring that out but i think we're doing a better job than we were 
Um, we definitely three years ago didn't have material to write a book. <laughs> that was that is the truth. Yeah, that's the um, truth. So the question you may be as a listener going, where does this leave the leadership drip? Um, go ahead and answer that. What you're kind of doing with the brand and with some of the things going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, we're still in the process of discovery, but um, there could be a 501c3 uh, in the future very soon. Um, there, there very well could be a, a short leadership book in the works that um, will, be, will be available hopefully soon. Oh, yeah, so those are just, you know, I want to under-promise and over-deliver. So um, I think I think those are a couple things that we could that we could possibly look forward to. But um, the conversation's not done. Uh, I think I think there's still a lot to talk about. There's still a lot to um, to discuss. There's still a lot to dream about and pray about, especially for the leadership drip, because I, th- I, I think it's and I believe in it's 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 a needed conversation. It's a needed voice. Um in the world today, especially among those who are desiring to reach the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. So friends, I think, uh, we'll call this one, the one where they told you lots of new things about things you didn't already know. Sure. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> How about way, the one that changed everything? Yeah, I think okay, we'll just stick with that. that. It's <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think I think for those of you who've been with us for a long time as listeners who have, followed us and become friends. Um, yeah, the conversations are going to continue and we're going to keep engaging in them. We appreciate those of you who um, have been a part of this podcast. And and what's been great is some of you have become part of our life um, and have truly become friends. And so this is not the end. Um, but I think what it is is just a recalibration maybe or a shift um, because our heart is still to reach the yeah. next generation. And whatever we learn, we want to give away. Yeah, for sure. So thank you, guys. We love you. And um, as we always like to say here at the Leadership Drip. You've got to see the table. you got to see it at the table. God bless, guys. See Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.